Well, I'm so thankful that all of you are here today. Uh, If you're a guest, you probably don't know me and you don't know that I'm not the pastor here. Uh, I'm not the pastor here. I'm a pastor here. I'm the campus pastor. Uh, The pastor is over here to my right. Uh, Usually he has uh, his wife sitting next to him today. He has my wife sitting next to him. Thanks, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you're here too, by the way. Uh, We're so glad that you're here to worship with us today. Uh, Pastor has just given me the month uh, to preach an entire series, and I started that series uh, two weeks ago. And the series is called FBC Life, all right? FBC Life. Now, if you've been coming here for any time at all, you probably know what FBC Life is. You saw it as you drove into the parking lot on our banners. You saw FBC Life. If you're a guest, you're getting gifts with FBC Life plastered all over it. Uh, If you go to the cafe, there's things to buy with FBC Life. It's our push to get you involved in worship, service, connecting, and reaching others. And so that's what we always say. We We want you to get involved. Get involved in worship. Serve. Connect and reach here at the church. And I've been saying this since we started. That's not the reason that you should do it. We have great reasoning behind why we have pushed these things. We know that these things will help you grow spiritually, but not just that. You shouldn't just do it because we said it. You should also do it because it's biblical, but you should really do it because Jesus did these things perfectly. I mean, Jesus did these things perfectly. Jesus worshiped the Father Perfectly. That's what we saw in week one. Last week, we saw that Jesus came to serve not just as an example for you and I, but because at his very core, he was a servant. He served because that's who he was. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus reached people and the motivations that he had behind doing that, which brings us to this week. We're going to talk about FBC Life Connect, which strangely enough is the very clever title for my sermon today. FBC Life Connect. We want you to connect here, but not just because we say so, but because we see that Jesus valued connecting in his own life. We hope that this series is really just a big commercial for all of you that says, here is Jesus's life. Here's the way he worshiped, served, connected, and reached. Look at that and be inspired to be like Jesus because you love Jesus. And part of following Jesus is becoming more and more Christ-like, becoming more and more like Jesus. And so that's what we want through this series. We want you to become more like Jesus. We made FBC Life so you could really, so that we could make it easy for you to do those things. Worship, serve, connect, and reach. It was, uh, it was quite a while ago, it was December of 2015 when I sat down with the pastor and he was talking to me about coming on staff and he talked to me about some of the reasons he wanted to fill this, the staff position. It's the family pastor position or the campus pastor uh, position, whatever you want to call it, but we're talking about it and he says there's really three reasons. Here's, here's the first reason. Because we're at this campus in downtown Las Cruces, and we are going to build in the future a new campus in Sonoma Ranch. And that's the campus that you're sitting in right now. Back then, it was, I mean, things were in place. We already had the land, of course. Plans were drawn up. But it was, it was still just a dream. It hadn't happened yet. And we were really excited to see that happen. I was kind of excited. Well, that sounds pretty cool uh, to get in on. And so that was was the first reason. The second reason uh, he said that he wanted to bring somebody on staff in this position uh, was to start connect groups or to start a small group ministry here within the church. And I was thinking, okay, 
You probably mean like come in and fix the small group ministry or something like that. Or maybe you mean like uh, get in there and, and rework some things or restart it or something like that. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, I want you to start a small group ministry within our church. And I was thinking, this is 2015. 18 years ago, I was a small group leader in Las Cruces at another church. And I was thinking, we're, you're, you're telling me that your church is two decades late on this? And he's like, yeah, we are. The, the actual uh, kind of cell church or cell group model and small group ministry, all that kind of surfaced in the 60s, really became popular in the late 80s into the 90s. It was just, it was just booming now. You know Las Cruces, we're late on everything. So, I mean, we were already late on getting groups to Cruces. And then FBC, it was crazy to me, was 20 years behind that. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess we def definitely need to get that started. That would probably be a good thing. And the third reason he said that he wanted somebody else to come on staff, he said, I really want you on staff. And I quote, because I need a handsome, really handsome man on staff. Well, I don't know why we're laughing. This is a quote, all right? This is a quote. Uh, I need a really handsome man on staff to really serve as the butt of like 85 to 90% of my sermon jokes. That's what he told me. And I was like, wow, that sounds, that sounds great. How can I say no? Uh, but what I really heard was if I take this job, I'll have some great job security. Why? Well, listen, if I serve as 85 to 90% of his sermon jokes, he can't get rid of me. All right. What happens to his sermons then? They tank. They go down, they're not funny anymore, everybody's bored. Where's the jokes about Joe? No, Joe left. No, he's not gonna do that. Besides that, I mean, who's gonna wash his car? Who's gonna take his laundry to the dry cleaners? Who's gonna be his valet? I mean, I have a lot of job security here. I'm no dummy, all right? So we started these groups. We actually started uh, not in 2015, but in 2016, September 18th, 2016. And I was like, oh, I should show everybody a picture of that very first Connect night. Couldn't find a great picture, but I found a great video of that night. So I want you to take a look at after I came on staff, after we started up a small group ministry called Connect Groups here at FBC. So that was the very first Connect Night that we had. Now, Connect Night is a night when everybody from the church who wants to get in a group comes here to the church. We have this huge event where everybody gets connected. They'll meet their group. They'll have their first group meeting. Uh, it's a really, really cool night. And that was the very first one. Here's what the last one looked like. Uh, we had a winter theme. I think it was in February. Uh, it was really fun. We had a great time. Had a whole bunch of people here. There's also a Connect Night coming up soon, and it's next Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. What we're hoping is that you want to get connected. But before we get to all of that, I want to talk to you a little about why we started a, a small group ministry, because we know that people will grow spiritually inside of groups. 
And Jesus modeled this. Jesus loved community. In fact, here's the very first thing that's kind of the overarching uh, kind of theme of my whole sermon today. It's this, even Jesus had deep relationships rooted in community. He was connected. If you think about it, Jesus had deep relationships on the earth. I'm going to show you that as we get into the scripture today. But all of those relationships weren't, weren't just kind of isolated relationships. Those relationships were with his closest people around him, his 12 disciples. And he absolutely loved uh, being with them. Before we get into the text, I want you to make sure, uh, I, I want to make sure that you don't think that I'm telling you that Jesus was in a connect group, okay? Jesus was not in a connect group, but here's, here's the cool thing. The dynamics of the group that he started, that group of 12 disciples of which he was a part, so 13 altogether, the dynamic of that group really sheds light on what we hope that our groups do here at the church. Now, Connect Groups just started a few years back. I just showed you the very first one. So Jesus wasn't, uh, he didn't, he wasn't part of a Connect Group while he was on earth, but he was part of a, of a group a group of men that he assembled and it was an amazing group and they did things that we want to see happen in our groups as well. Jesus loved community and he knew that community looks like love. So the next thing I want you to see is that Jesus wanted his disciples to exemplify love. When Jesus would talk to his disciples, he would often say this, I want you to love each other. He knew that community was all about love and he knew that his disciples had to exemplify love. They had to be the best examples of love. So what we're gonna do is we're going to go to John 15 and we'll be through in verses 12 through 17. They're gonna pop up on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. Here's the first uh, verse. This is what Jesus says. Remember now, Jesus has walked with his disciples for about three years now. This is very, very close to his crucifixion, all right? And so these are really kind of uh, his, his last, I mean, these are big things that he's talking to them about. And this is what he says first. This is my commandment. Whatever follows that, we know isn't just a little suggestion. It's not a hope of Jesus. He wasn't saying, hey guys, 12 disciples, I sure love you. I, I hope that you guys do what I'm about to say. Actually, uh, in chapter 13, verse 34 of John, Jesus says almost this exact same thing, except he says, this is a new commandment that I give to you. And he says the same thing. So it wasn't a new commandment that uh, was supposed to be added to the 10 commandments, okay? It wasn't a new commandment that was supposed to be added to all of the commandments, like 613. It wasn't the 614th commandment. This commandment pushed those others aside. And Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. And here he says, this is my commandment that you love one another. He wanted those disciples to love each other. The word is agape. You've probably heard us talk about it from stage before because it's such an important word. It's a selfless, unconditional love that thinks of others' needs before your own. Last week, we talked about serving. Jesus served like this, with this agape love, putting other people's needs before his own. And that's what he wants to see in the disciples. He wants them to agape each other. He wants them to love each other. And that's going to involve 
them giving and receiving love. Now remember, there's 13 people in this group and Jesus is included. So everyone, every 13 of those people would have been giving love to the other 12 and would have been receiving love from the other 12. Jesus wanted his disciples, not just wanted, commanded them to love one another. And if, if they were a little fuzzy on what that looks like, he kind of clears it up for them. He says, love one another as I have loved you. If you didn't know exactly how to love one another, just think back on the last three years. How have I loved you? Do that to each other and receive that from each other. I, here's what I love about scripture. Sometimes scripture will repeat itself. Have you ever noticed this? Scripture will repeat itself. If scripture repeats itself, that means something is trying to stick out, okay? God is trying to say something a little extra. In this case, Jesus is trying to say something a little extra. I don't know if you know this, but Psalm 14 is repeated almost word for word in Psalm 53, Pretty cool. Might be important, maybe. Jesus said this in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another. He just said it there, and the very last verse of the passage that we're looking at today is verse 17. This is what it says. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You think that's important? Might, might be a theme running through this text. Jesus wants his disciples to love one another. He knows that community is all about Love. Community looks like love. And Jesus loved his group of 12. He really did. It wasn't like he was just on the outside of the disciples saying, all right, you guys love one another. I'm not getting involved in all that. No, he was in it. Don't forget, he was part of that group. They went everywhere together. They did everything together. Let's go to the next verses. This is what Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We'll leave that up there for just a second because I really want you to kind of understand what this is saying. I used to think that this meant that the love you receive could never be greater than the love that you receive when someone dies for you. That's what I thought this meant. That's not what it's saying. Jesus is actually pointing to himself and he says, greater love isn't displayed then when someone, life, when someone lays down his life for his friends. So what he's basically saying is, I have the greatest love for you because what I am going to do is I'm going to lay down my life for you. It's not that you have the greatest love received from me, it's that I have the greatest love that I'm giving and displaying for you. And that's what Jesus tells the disciples. He says, also, he calls them friends. He calls the disciples friends because he knows that community is about friendship as well. Now, a friend is someone that you have deep affection for. Friend is, is someone that you can count on. The, the Greek word has this, uh, this idea of a friend in court, someone that will be beside you when you always need them. Loyalty, trust, affection. That is what he's saying when he says friends. And then he also says that word lay down. That word lay down is, is really this word that means to set aside. So he says, I'm going to display the greatest love in the fact that I'm going to Take my life and I'm going to set it aside for you who are my friends. The disciples were Jesus's friends and he was their 
friend as well. Let's go to verse 14. He'll use this term friends in this verse and the next verse as well. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That's kind of weird. I don't know if you've ever got a call from one of your friends and they're like, hey, uh, I just want to talk to you real quick. And uh, whatever I say, you have to do because we're friends. All right, that doesn't really happen, right? I'm going to say this. I'm going to command it of you and then you have to do it. And if you don't, you're not my friend anymore. I mean, nobody does that, right? But we can't forget that Jesus is not just a friend to the disciples. He's also their Lord. And being their Lord, they have to obey him. If they don't obey him, they're not even his friends. They actually can prove their friendship by obeying him. And so you think, well, what would Jesus command them? I mean, what's he going to say? What's he going to ask? It could be anything, right? Well, in context, he just commanded them something, didn't he? He said, love one another as I have loved you. That's the command. That's the one that they have to obey if they're his friends. If they do what he commands, if they respond in obedience, they are his friends. Let's go to the next verse. Then he says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So he's not calling them servants. That's actually the same word that we looked at yesterday, uh, last week. Yesterweek. That's what I call it. Yesterweek. We were there last week. We were talking about serving. And he was talking about servants. He used uh, one term. And then he talked about slaves. And this is actually the word slaves. He's saying, I'm, I don't call you slaves right now. You know why? Because a slave really isn't involved in his master's business. He doesn't know all the details of everything that's, that's happening. But I'm calling you friends. Why? Because everything that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You're not like a slave. I'm telling you everything about my business. I've let you in on my miracles. You've seen me heal lame people. You've seen me heal blindness. You've seen me walk on water. You know that I'm the Messiah because I have taught you that I am the anointed one, the one sent from God. You know that I am here to establish my kingdom on earth. I've let you in on it all. Don't think you're anything less than my friend. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus knew that community was about friendship. He always knew that. And that's why he set this whole group up. So it could be a community of love. So it could be a community of friendship. And then we're going to look at the last thing. Jesus' group was chosen for a purpose. Jesus' group was chosen for a purpose. It wasn't just a willy-nilly choosing you and you and you. He chose each of those disciples. In fact, you can read about it in the Gospels, how he calls Matthew, how he calls Peter, how he uh, calls all of the disciples, James and John, and how he calls everybody. And he called them for a purpose. Let's go to the next verse. This is verse 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus says to his friends, the ones that he's giving love to and receiving love from, he says, you, you didn't choose me. I'm the one who chose you. You were lost in your sin. You were in the darkness. The light of the world came into the world and the darkness did not know it. That's where you guys were. You 12 were lost in your sin. You weren't seeking me. I came here and I sought you out, 
reminds me of uh, Jesus and the way that he chose his disciples reminds me of our relationship with God. We are sinners in the darkness. We don't seek God. He comes into our life and he seeks us. Not for a privilege. Not to say, oh yeah, we're, we're his. No, but for a purpose. And he gives us purpose when he calls us. Here's, uh, let's just keep going. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you for three things, that you should go bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, and so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. That's the third thing. So he says, look, when I sought you out, I brought you in and I brought you in with a purpose. That word appointed is that same word when Jesus says, I will set aside my life. He uses the exact same word here. In the first time he used it, he says, I am setting aside me for you. And this time he's saying, I am setting you aside for this. What is he setting them aside for? He's setting them aside for three things, that they would bear fruit. Jesus wanted his disciples to go and make more disciples. That's the first purpose. Here's the second purpose, that those disciples would remain, that they would be part of Jesus's disciples, if that makes sense, that they would also make more disciples, that those disciples, that fruit would abide. And here's the next thing. He says, I also chose you as my 12 so that whenever you ask the father anything, he will hear you and he'll give it to you because you're doing my work. You're bearing fruit, fruit that remains. Jesus had a purpose in everything that he did And the group that he was a part of wasn't just about love. And it wasn't just about friendship. It also had a great purpose. Very similar to our groups here. We have purpose in our groups here. Jesus participated in all of that. Don't think again that he was outside of that group saying, this is what you guys should do. Go and do it. No, he was participating. He was loving. He was receiving love. He was their friend and they were his friends. He gave that entire group purpose. He valued community. So if Jesus valued community, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we value community if Jesus does? So I guess then the question is, do you? Do I value community? Do I see Jesus's life the way he connected, his deep relationships in community, do I see that? And do I say, I need that because he needed that. He did need that. Don't think that Jesus, just because he was God, didn't have human needs when he was here on earth with us. He absolutely did. He needed to eat. He needed to drink. He needed relationships in his life. And he made sure that he had the right relationships. If he needed that, as the perfect human, you and I need it as flawed humans, don't we? So can you see Jesus and the way that he connected? And could you let it inspire you to say, I, I've been living this life that's really just apart from everybody else. If he valued it, we should too. We should value love. We should value friendship. Andy Stanley, uh, pastor of the second largest church here in America, has this saying. I've heard it several times for him. He's been saying it for years, but this is what he said. And I always thought it was an overstatement. 
He said, you can't grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. And I thought, I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, it's gotta be possible that you can grow spiritually without being connected to other people. There's just gotta be a way. And then I thought through scripture. Do you, not, do you know that not one time in the Old Testament when someone placed their faith in God and not one time in the New Testament when someone placed their faith in Christ, do we see that person disconnecting from other people to go and just be alone with God for the rest of their lives? We don't see it one time. In history, we see it. We see some of the church fathers that do that. Do you know what happens to them? They start wasting away until they have to go back to community. They begin to have mental problems. I'm writing a paper, uh, and one of the people that I'm focusing on is John Chrysostom. He's one of the church fathers, and he was living in the 300s. And he did this. He thought, all right, now since I have faith, all I want to do is grow in that faith. I want to grow spiritually towards God. And so he went and he lived in a cave until he had not eaten and his body was weak. I mean, we're talking years. He began to have mental problems because he didn't have anyone else pouring into his life. He began to have all of these ailments until he said, enough with this. And he went back and he's known as one of, one of the greatest pe preachers uh, of that time. It's pretty amazing, but it took getting him back into community for all that to happen. Do you see how much Jesus valued community? Do you see that groups also have a purpose? Our groups here, we, they do have a purpose. You actually saw it on the video. Very similar to what we just read. We hope that our groups, in our groups, you connect with God, connect with others, and connect with the world. So when you get in a group, you're going to be hearing from God and you're gonna be growing spiritually, but also you're gonna be connecting with other people in that group. And as you connect with other people in that group, that is a good thing, just like we just saw. If you do those two things, we hope that you would then connect with the world in a way that you make an impact on the world, in a way that says, you need Jesus like I do, just like the disciples were expected to bear fruit. There's another quote, one last quote that I wanna show you today. If, if Andy Stanley said that, and it's amazing, I mean, this guy is even more incredible. Check this quote out. Living, what? What's the, <laughs> what? All right, so it's my quote, it doesn't matter. All right, but, but it's a good quote. <laughs> Living in community is the easiest spiritual practice for you to do. And it requires next to no discipline. I said that in 2019 from this stage when I was preaching on Connect. <laughs> it's the exact same thing that I taught then. Listen, I think we try and make all of these things really hard. FBC is trying to make it easy for you to be Christ-like. In everything that you do, worship, serve, connect, and reach. Connect, though. I mean, that's an easy one. It almost takes no effort. Here's the effort. You have to go and sign up for a group. That's your effort that it takes. And after that, the discipline that it takes is for you just to go to group once a week, probably. Some of your groups meet like once every other week. So it's even less of a commitment. A lot of people tell me it's really hard for me to pray. I'm not really good at reading the Bible. The, all these different spiritual practices and fasting and all these things, it's just, it's just too hard. We're trying to make these things easy for you here. It's easy to connect 
It's the easiest spiritual discipline that will pay dividends in your life. And I guarantee you, once you're connected, you'll start growing spiritually. And once you start growing spiritually, you're going to be a little more apt to praying, to reading scripture, to fasting, and all of those other spiritual disciplines. So what is it that you need? A lot of the time we come up here and we say, I don't know what you need to do in your life. This time I know what you need to do in your life. You need to be connected relationally with other people. Here, you can do that in a connect group. Wherever you do it though, you have to be in a group of like-minded individuals that will pour into you and so that you can pour into them that will be there for you when you need them. A community based in love, friendship, and purpose. So you can get in a group. That would be the easiest thing for you to do. Maybe you're thinking about how to respond to this message. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody and say, this hasn't really been a part of my life and I didn't even know that it was so important. I just want you to pray with me and, and uh, help. Uh, just ask the Lord that he would help me find a community that's right for me. Or maybe you just want in a church that wants you to be Christ-like in everything that you do, in the way that you worship, serve, connect, and reach. Well, that's this church. Maybe you want to come forward and join the church. Or maybe you heard that Jesus was a friend of the disciples and they were his friends. And you're like, I, I want to know him. Come up and tell one of the pastors here that you want to know Jesus. Whatever it is and however you need to respond, take the time during this song, this song that's going to play in a few minutes, take that time to respond to God in whatever way that you need to. You can also do that at your seats. And maybe it's going to require a little action after the service is over. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Dear Lord, we thank you so very much that you lived in community with your disciples, that you loved them, that they loved you. I thank you that it was a place of friendship and a place of purpose. God, would you impress upon us today that we need this in our life, not just for our sake, but to be more like you, to do the things that you did. Help us take the steps that we need to take to begin to live in community. In Jesus' name.